Well, it was in the 2004 Athens Olympic Games that Matthew Edmonds was picked to win a gold medal in the rifle competition. As Matthew moved from station to station, shooting this rifle at different distances and in different positions, he, he was dominating the competition. When it came time for the final round, Michael or Matthew was so far ahead of everyone else in the field that the only thing he had to do was just hit the target and he gets gold. So, so, so the final round comes and, and, and he doesn't have to get a bullseye, just anywhere on the paper, gold medal. And if you've ever shot a rifle, you know it's, it's not as easy as it, as it looks. Uh, there's this thing called, called jerking the trigger that every time you pull the trigger, like the gun can, can tend to move. And especially in this level of competition, it's, that would be disastrous. Uh, these, these sportsmen, these riflemen, they, they, they get to the point, they train themselves to, to lower their heart rate by, by their breathing. And once they slow their, their heart rate down, not only that, they've trained themselves to, to pull the trigger in between heartbeats. It's fascinating what these guys are, are able to do. And, and so for Matthew to just hit the target anywhere, he could, could pretty much do that blindfolded. And so here it is, the final round, he just has to hit the target anywhere on the target. And he gets gold, he, he raises his, his rifle, pulls the trigger, bullseye dead center on the wrong target. As he raised his rifle, he, he, he got on the wrong, tar- there's different targets. He just was on the wrong target. And here's, here's what that looks like. Bronze, wrong target. And I don't know how many people I've talked to as a pastor. They're like, I thought I was made for an abundant life. I thought, I thought Jesus promised life to the fullest and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. And here's how they feel on the inside. And I would just submit that perhaps they've been aiming at the wrong target because God has promised the abundant life and God is not a liar and you can thrive. So whether you're, you're brand new uh, to this thing or you're just considering the claims of Christ, I'm so glad that you've joined us because today you're gonna get an overview of, of why we exist as a church and what our, our four purposes are, not only as a church, but as, as people who follow as follow, who follow God. If you're just beginning this journey, it's a great day to jump in. You're gonna get, get that overview of, as well. And if you're a season ticket holder here at Central or maybe even another church, and you're just tuning in today, well, man, I, I'm, so, I'm so honored that you're with us because today we're gonna, we're gonna recalibrate, re-aim at the proper target that God has for us. It's in Proverbs 29, 18 that we read this, that, that if people can't see what God is doing, they, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are blessed. We want you to be able to see what God's doing, what God desires for your life. And not just, not just hear it, not just see it, but we're going we're gonna to actually do this. We're going to attend to it. Uh, the King James Version puts it this way. Where there is no vision, the people, people perish. But I don't want that to be true of us. We want to thrive. And here's our mission. Here's our vision. Here's why we exist as a church called Central Christian Church. At Central, we exist to help people find and follow Jesus. Now, every time you hear us say that, here's what we mean. And every Bible scholar, every, every theologian, every, everybody that, that loves their Bible and, and knows about, about the church, they would say, hey, this is why the church exists. They'll give you some variation of these four things. They'll probably say them differently. There'll be different, different words that they use, but, 
But it all kind of boils down, down to this. Here's what we're trying to do. We help people find and follow Jesus. We're trying to get lost people saved. People who don't know God, we're, we're trying to help them follow him and know him. We're trying to get saved people pastored, pastored people trained, trained people mobilized. That is the Great Commission. This is what we're trying to do. This is what you were created to do and experience and help others experience as well. We're going to see these, these, these four things play out in, in various scriptures from cover to cover throughout your Bible. These, this, God has been taking people on this journey from the beginning of time. And we're going to look at four, these four things in, in four different sets of, of scripture. The, the first passage that we're going to look at and, and first, first area we're going to see this, it, it's it requires a little bit of a thanking hat. And if you, you enjoy history and you enjoy going a few layers beneath the surface, then man, you're gonna, you're gonna love this one. I was hesitant to include this one, but, but you're smart. You're the Central family. So I thought, hey, I'm gonna I'm give it to them because I, I think it's rich. And, and here at Central, we, we love celebrating communion, don't we? And so, so this will help us better appreciate what took place at that, that last supper and, and maybe make communion a little bit more of a rich experience for us, but it was, it was last year that I was, was studying this during the, the pandemic and last summer and, and is when I, I learned this and it was new information to me at the time because just before Easter, Jesus gathered with his disciples before he went to the cross and he celebrated what is known as the Passover meal. Uh, it's known as the, the Passover Seder. And, and in that meal, in that, that the Seder, Seder simply means order. And there's 14 things that you do in a Passover Seder in a specific order. And you, you, you sing songs, you read scriptures, you, you eat some stuff, and you drink. And all in a particular order. And everything corresponds with different scriptures and it has, has meaning. It's a Passover Seder. And so before Jesus went to the cross, he gathered with his disciples in, in this upper room, this, this borrowed room, and he enjoyed this, this Passover Seder. And what was new to me is I always thought when Jesus lifted up the cup, like there was just one cup of wine at the table or maybe just a random cup of wine, but, but in a Passover Seder, there are four cups of wine and all four cups correspond to a specific, a specific passage in Exodus that, that brought rich meaning and, and, and depth of, of knowledge to this Passover celebration. And, uh, and so four cups of wine, I didn't know that. I thought just maybe just have one cup, but four cups, every Passover Seder and all four cups have rich meaning and it all correlates to this passage in Exodus chapter six, verses six through seven. And here's what it says. It says, therefore, say to the Israelites, now this is God, he's speaking to this guy named Moses. He says, hey, here's what I want you to do. Here's what I need you to tell him. He says, say to them, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. In other words, we're gonna move these people out. Like we're gonna physically get them out of Egypt. Then he says, I will free you from being slaves to them. Now that, that Basically sounds like he just repeated himself, but, but how many of you know, you know that, that you can get out of Egypt, but Egypt can still be in you? He says, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna physically move you out and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna get Egypt out of you. I'm gonna, you're not gonna live as a slave anymore. You've been, you've been enslaved for, for over 400 years and you have this, this mindset about you, but no, no, I'm gonna get you out of Egypt. Then I'm gonna go through this process and get Egypt I'm gonna get Egypt out of you. I'm gonna set you free from being slaves to them. And he says, I will redeem you. 
And that's a, that's a Bible word that we don't use a whole lot, but, but if you're, you're, you're going on an airplane ride and you decide, hey, you know what, I'm, not, I'm gonna cancel my flight, they're gonna give you a, a, a voucher or something that you can redeem. In other words, you didn't use it for its intended purpose at this time, but you can use it for its intended purpose here. And what, what, what God's saying, I will redeem you. Like I'm gonna restore you to your intended purpose because my people were never made to build bricks. They were never made to, to build Pharaoh's empire. No, no, I created you for so much more than that. And I'm gonna get you out of Egypt. And I'm gonna get Egypt out of you. And then I'm gonna restore you to your intended purpose. He says, with an outstretched arm and mighty act of judgment, I will take you as my own and I will be your God. He's saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna draw you out of Egypt. I'm gonna Egypt out of you. I'm gonna restore you to your intended purpose and you're gonna be my representatives. You're gonna, you're gonna be my own people. I'll, I'll be your God and you're gonna reflect who I am to everyone that you ever meet. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So, so at the Passover Seder, now these are Jewish people, not, not Christians, these are Jewish people. And they, they celebrate these four cups at every Passover. And here's what the cups are. And they correlate to that passage we just read. And I, I hope you picked up on, on some of those, those four things there. The first cup is the, the cup of sanctification. Now that's another $5 Bible word, uh, but, but sanctification simply means to be set apart or separated. He said, you know what, you're, you're in Egypt as slaves, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring you out. You're no longer gonna be slaves in Egypt. And isn't it nice to know that because of Easter, because of what took place on the cross, you can live a sanctified, you can be, live set apart. You can live, you can live out of bondage of slavery because Jesus, what took place on the cross, he, he brought freedom, he set you free. There's an exodus. The second cup that, now these are, again, this is Jewish people. This is their words. The cup of deliverance. Now, not only did I, I set you apart, not only did I get you out of Egypt, but now I'm gonna get Egypt out of you. I'm gonna get that old way of thinking out of you. That, that, that slave mindset of, I'll never be enough. My, I know God could do it for them. I don't know if he could do it for me. I, I know I, this is just the way I am. It's just my hair. I, no, we're gonna get that. We're gonna get that thinking. We're gonna pull that out of you. I'll bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Now I'm gonna set you free. And the third cup that they would, would celebrate is, the cup of redemption. And after they read these passages, they, they drink this cup. And this makes sense because that's the word that, that God used. He said, I, this is the cup of redemption because he said, I'm gonna redeem you. I'm gonna restore you to your intended purpose. And they, they would celebrate Passover and they, they would celebrate with joy because God, had, he was redeeming them. And then the fourth cup is called the, the cup of praise because after drinking four cups of wine, I mean, why not? You're feeling pretty good, right? No, it's a, that's, that's, not, that's not why. One Jewish rabbi actually said it's, it has less to do with, with what's happening on the outside of you. And this word has everything to do with what's happening on the inside. In other words, you found fulfillment. He brought me out of Egypt. He got Egypt out of me. He restored me for something bigger than making bricks. He's given me a purpose. He's redeeming me to my original intent. And he's allowing me to do it with a group of people that he's called his own. I mean, like, praise God, right? Like, it's a cup of praise. Now, that's the Old Testament and Exodus. And that's the, the Jewish Passover that, 
that they celebrate and that what Jesus would have celebrated with his disciples uh, before going to the cross. Now let's go to the New Testament. Now here's Jesus and Easter's happened. He, he's broken the curse of sin. He's defeated death, hell, and the grave. Like, like he, big things have happened. He's, he's appeared, he's, he's risen again. And he's appeared to his disciples. And he's about to ascend into heaven. And he tells his followers then, and us here today, the, the target that they were to aim their lives at and the target that we're, we're to aim our life at as well. And here it is in Mark 16, verses 15 through 20. He said to them, go into all the world and preach, preach the gospel to all creation. In other words, find some lost people and tell them they don't have to live in Egypt anymore. Tell them I came, tell them, tell them they're free people. Tell them the good news to all creation. They don't have to stay stuck in slavery. Tell, you preach to them, tell them that. And whoever believes and is baptized will, will be saved. And in other words, you're gonna go on a journey with these people. Once you preach to them, once you get them out of Egypt, you're gonna journey with them and help them take some next steps to get, get Egypt out of them. But whoever believes, whoever does not believe will be condemned. And he says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In other words, signs and the miraculous, the ministry, it's not designated for a select few. It's for everybody. It's not just for, for the lead pastor, it's for you. These signs will accompany you. You're gonna go do this. You, you have gifts and talents and abilities and, and we need to redeem, we need to discover those and, and go live it out. And then that's what the disciples did. Then the disciples went out and they, they did some stuff. They changed the world. They preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by signs that accompanied it. In other words, here's what Jesus said that, that they were to do collectively as a church, so what we're to do collectively as a church, but, but what you're called to do personally as a follower of Jesus, just here, here it is, it's, uh, it's, it's preach them, it's, it's pastor them, it's train them, it's send them, help people get out of Egypt, help Egypt get out of them, remind them that they're made for more than making bricks. Like they, they've been given a God-given purpose. Not only that, but they get to do it with a group of people that goes and represents God and goes and changes the world. That's what Jesus told them. And then we go to another passage from this guy named Paul in Colossians chapter one, 28 through 29. And again, I'm just, I'm just trying to give you the why. Here's, here's why we're gonna do what we're gonna do at Central. Here's why we help people find and follow Jesus. Here, here's, here's the why. And then in the future weeks of Thrive, we're gonna talk about the what and the how and all that stuff. And we're gonna unpack that more in Thrive Group. So I hope you, I hope you join a Thrive Group so, so you can live this out a little, a little better. But in Colossians 1, here's what Paul says. You're gonna see these four things again. He says, says we proclaim him. In other words, we, we, we preach to them. We tell them, hey, hey, you can be saved. We admonish them. The King James Version says, we warn every man. In other words, you, you, you've been saved, like you're, you're headed to heaven, but, but we need to help people know, like you don't have to talk to your spouse that way anymore. Like you can go to heaven with a bad marriage, but we don't want you to. We wanna help you. We wanna, we wanna admonish you. We wanna let you know that there's some deliverance that, that can take place, that you can get Egypt out of you. And then, and then he says, in, in teaching them with all wisdom, in other words, investing in them, letting them know that there's, there's more in them than what they know is even in them. 
We're going we're gonna to train them. We're going to equip them, teaching them with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. That Greek word literally means perfect, complete, or in other words, having reached your full potential. And listen, you'll never reach your full potential in a sanitary area. Like you got to get out. You got to go do some, because God created you for more. To go, go change the world. In other words, here's Paul's list and the word that he used. He says, he says we're going to proclaim, proclaim Christ to them. We're going to admonish them. In other words, we're going to help them save people get past. We're going to proclaim Christ. We're going to get lost people saved. We're going to admonish them. We're going to get, get saved people pastored. We're going to teach them. We're going to get, get pastored people trained. And then we're going to present them fully mature. In other words, we're going to, we're going to these trained people, we're going to send them, send them out to be his representatives in this world. So we've seen it in the Exodus. We've seen Jesus teach this. We've seen Paul teach this. And now one, one final one final passage, and I just need you to lean in because this is, this is where we're going as a church. Like this is, we're gonna do these four things. We're not gonna use the words that I've used so far, but we're gonna, we're gonna do this. This is what we're trying to do. Help people find apologies. How do we do that? Lost people saved, save people pastored, pastor people trained, train people sent. That's what, we're, that's what we're gonna do. And this final passage that we're gonna look at is in Ephesians. And Ephesians is a, is, is a great book because Paul, this guy who, who loved God, who wanted to see lost people saved, he would go to these dark cities, these big cities, these very transient cities and start churches. And this is one that, that he started in this city called Ephesus. Uh, but Ephesus was a great city, very wealthy city, very, um, uh, very inventive city. They were, they were doing some great things in the world at the time. They were very spiritual, but spiritually dark, like very spiritually distorted and perverted city. But Paul thought, hey, that's a perfect place to plant a church. You know, not, not too different than San Jose, right? Big city, very transient. The gospel won't stay here. It'll, it'll travel to the ends of the earth from here. And, and not only that, but, but Ephesus, an interesting fact that, that, that Timothy, this, Paul wrote two letters in your Bible, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy. Timothy was pastoring in Ephesus. And so Paul's writing to young Timothy to help him pastor well. But John, the, the, the apostle, like the disciple that followed Jesus, was believed to attend this church in Ephesus. Not only that, but Mary, the mother of Jesus, was believed to attend the church of Ephesus. And, and so the, Ephesus was a great church. And Paul's writing to them. And he gives us a gift. And he says, hey, I want you to know how I'm praying for you. Like when I wake up in the morning, here's how I'm praying for the church. And what a gift, because for us, like we want to pray like God wants us to pray. And, and that's always going to be revealed in his word. And so I love this this prayer model for us to, to follow, kind of this prayer pattern. But here's the text in Ephesians 1. And this is Paul's words. And he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him. I want you to know him. I want you to know him better. And I love Michael's question to us a couple weeks ago. And he asked this question, uh, do you know Jesus like you know Obama or do you know Jesus like you know your mama? <laughs> and that's just a great question. It's a question, honestly, I've been chewing on a lot lately because honestly, like I can know some stuff about Obama. I, I, can, I can know 
where he was born. I, I can know his age. I can know uh, if he's married or not. I can know, um, uh, you know some of the things he did throughout his leadership tenure. And honestly, I can get the same way with Jesus. Like I, I, know, I know I'm gonna celebrate his birthday. It's coming. I know he did something on Easter and I think it's worth celebrating as well. I, I, know, I know he did some things throughout his leadership that made him billions of people today follow him. Like I, I know some stuff about him. But do I know Jesus like I know Obama or do I know Jesus like I know my mama? Because I know what my mama's favorite cookies are. I, I know if, if I had a chance to take her out to any dinner, I know where I'd take her. I, I know what brings her joy. I, I know what her house smells like. I know what my clothes smell like when I come back from my mama's house. I, I, know, I know her on a very personal, very relational level. And, and that's what Paul's saying. He said, I want you to, I want you to know him. I don't want you to know stuff about him. I want you to know him. As a matter of fact, this is the most important thing that you could do in life. Know God. Because not only does it impact everything about life, it impacts everything about eternity. And Jesus said something that is honestly, this, this verse is shocking to me. It's, it blows my mind every time I read it. But here's what Jesus said about knowing him. It's found in Matthew chapter seven. He says, many will say to me on that day, this is the day of judgment and no second chances. Many will say to me on that day, not just a few, many, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, didn't we drive out demons? And in your name, didn't we perform miracles? Then I will say to them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. Shocking. They're like, but wait, we perform miracles. Wait, we prophesied. Wait, we, we, we drove out evil spirits. And he's like, you, you gave me religion, but I was looking for a relationship. I want to know you. I don't want you to just do stuff for me. I want you to do stuff with me. I want, you, I want to know you. And I hope you experience this. I hope, my hope above all else is that you know him. Because I do hope you prophesy. Because we need a fresh word from heaven in our day. I hope you drive out demons. I hope God uses you to do that because so many people are oppressed. So many people are, are held captives. And I hope God uses you to cast out evil spirits. God, I believe you're still doing it today. I hope he uses you to stretch out your hand and you see healing take place. I hope he uses you to perform miracles. But above all that, I hope you know him. Because if you don't know him, it's all for nothing. If you don't know him, it doesn't matter. And this word is shocking. This word, no, it's the Greek word gnosko. And gnosko is an interesting word because it's, it's knowledge through personal experience. It's not something you can read. It's not something you can just Google or get on Wikipedia and learn about. No, he's like, I want relationship. Don't offer me religion. I want relationship with you. Gnosko. When I met Tiffany, my wife, I, I knew a lot of stuff about her. Before we ever started dating, I knew, I knew she was vice president of the student body at our college. I knew, I knew she played volleyball. I knew her mom and her dad, and I'd seen them on campus because her mom and dad, they were coaches and professors. I, I knew, I knew about her. I, see, I watched her in the cafeteria, and I, I watched how she treated everybody the same. 
whether they were the cool kids or the outsiders. She's just, she was a lover of people. I knew stuff about her. But now we've been married for 14 years and gnosko's happened. I've learned stuff about her. I've acquired knowledge through experience. And Paul's prayer, above all, I pray that you know him. And if you do nothing else on this side of eternity, don't know him like you know Obama. Know him like you know your mama. Because that, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And that's our hope here at Central. We want people to know God. Then Paul, he goes on with his prayer and he says, I, I pray, I pray that, that your heart may be enlightened. And he, here's the deal. There's a lot of stuff happening in our world and, and we're all looking at the same stuff, but we're filtering it differently. And why is that? Because as Stephen Covey says, we see the world not as it is, but as we are. Like we're looking through it through a filter. And our filter is based on the experiences we've had, the people we've met, the things that were said to us, the things that weren't said to us, our wounds, our past hurts, habits, and hangups. And we filter things, we filter things differently. In other words, we've, we've gotten out of Egypt, but we need to get some Egypt out of us. And Paul says, I pray that you'd have the eyes of your heart enlightened so you can see as God sees, so you can view people the way God views people, so you can view yourself the way God views you, so you can view that circumstance, that situation from, from heavenly perspective. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Then he says this, he says, in, in order that, or in, order, in other words, if, if you don't know God, if you haven't, you had had that, your heart enlightened by his presence and going through a process to get some, some things from Egypt out of you, then, then this really isn't even gonna happen. I, I pray that you may have your heart enlightened in order that, or so that, you may know the hope to which he's called you. And this is very hard. It's hard to grasp your calling and step into the future that God has for you if we continually are tripping over our past. And so God's hope is for you to put to rest your yesterdays once and for all so you can take hold of what he has for you today, that you would know the hope to which he's called you because he's called you, every one of you. He's, if you're a child of God, he's given you a spiritual gift. And he's saying you're made for more than making bricks. You're, you're created with purpose. But unless you know him, unless you go through this, you have your heart enlightened, it's gonna be hard to take hold of the hope for which he's, he's called you. But once you know him, you've gotten out of Egypt. Once you've had your eyes enlightened, you've gotten Egypt out of you, then you, you can take hold of the hope for which he's called you. You can discover your purpose here on earth. And then you can, can enjoy this last part, this, the riches of his glorious inheritance with God's people change the world together. Just like the, the Israel called out, be my people, represent me. Now we get to share in this inheritance with God's holy people. And this, this, this is, there's a lot of layers to this. But, but one thing I want you to know is that your inheritance, part of it is people. People are the goal. People are the inheritance. The lives you impact They'll last for all of eternity. And, 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 and nothing brings heaven more joy than that, seeing lives changed. And you get to be a part of that. Uh, Paul said, said, are you not my, my glory and my, my hope, my joy? 
He's talking about the church. He's saying, I hope you don't get led astray so I, I might lose my inheritance. It was in Psalms, Psalms 2, uh, verse 8. says, ask of me and I'll give you the nations as your, your inheritance, the whole, the whole earth as, as your possession. All right, we're going we're gonna to land the plane here. So in closing, uh, I just want to restate, here's the target we're shooting at. We, sometimes we might get up, but we're always going to come back to this. We exist at Central to help people find and follow Jesus. We want, and here, here's the words we're going to use. We want people to know God. We want to get lost people saved. We want, we want people to grow in freedom. We want saved people to get pastored and cared for and get Egypt out of them. We want, to, we want people to show their purpose, to know you're made for more than making bricks. He's given you a gift, not only a, a, a talent and natural abilities, he's given you spiritual gifts so we can show our purpose. But we've got to discover our purpose first, and then we're going to go change the world. That's what you're called to. That's what we're called to. That's the target we're aiming at. And over these next three weeks throughout Thrive, we're gonna go back through and talk through these because it is our purpose. This is the Great Commission. This is why we exist. And by the way, unless you're doing these things, you'll never experience the abundant life God has for you. You, you, you. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. And if you're not experiencing that, my question would be, are you doing this? Because if you're not doing this, your face is probably gonna look like this. <laughs> what? Did I not do this? Did I not do that? Did I, did I not? And just like, whoa, 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 wrong target. I don't want religion from you. I want relationship with you. And in relationship, we do this. We help people know God. And while, while we're knowing God, while we're growing to know God, we're helping others grow to know him. We're growing in freedom. We're working out our issues. We're getting Egypt out of us. We're helping other people go through that process and grow in freedom as well. We're going to show our purpose and we're going to help other people discover their purpose as well. We're going to go out and we're going we're to change some things. We're going to change the world. We get to do it with a group of people that God has, has called out. He's separated. We get to do it. We get to do it together because life becomes vibrant when we know God, we grow in freedom, show our purpose, go change the world. As you live this out personally, as we live this out collectively, we will thrive. Let's pray. Well, God, I thank you. I thank you for your word, God, and just for the power of your word. And I thank you, Jesus, that you desire for every individual hearing this today to experience freedom, to know you, God, is where freedom's found. And then you invite us on this journey to work out our, our issues, God, the junk that we carry that trips us up, keeps us from becoming the people we, you created us to be, God. And God, you've given us gifts. You've given us talents. You've given us abilities, God. You, you didn't create us for small things. You created us for big things, God. Help your church discover that. Help us to, to take hold of that today, God. And God, would you help us to change our world? to reflect you, to be your representatives. God, you've always, you've always desired that. That's why you rescued your people out of Egypt, so they could be your representatives. And God, sometimes we get off target. Sometimes we make it about all kinds of things that it's not even, doesn't even matter. So Jesus, would you forgive me of that? 
Would you forgive us of that? And God, would you help us to live lives laser focused on helping people find you and follow you? And maybe you're watching this today and you say, you know what, I, I, wanna, I want in on that, but I don't know God and, and I understand that's a big deal. And so if that's you today, you can begin a, a relationship with God through his son, Jesus, because it was on the cross that Jesus paid the penalty for your sins. Because God's holy and he can't be in the presence of sin, so your sin has separated you from God. But the reason the cross is so essential is because it's on the cross that your sins, your mistakes, your shame, your guilt, it was paid for, so you don't have to carry it anymore. So now you can be justified before the courts of heaven. So, so now a verdict can be rendered forgiven and you can, you can put on the righteousness of Christ, what a gift. And you can know God. And you're not gonna just offer him religion. You wanna, you wanna know him like you know your mama and that's what he desires too. So if you wanna begin that relationship today, I invite you to simply, as you continue to, in a prayerful posture, just pray with me, something like this. Say, God, I, I, I know I've blown it. I, I, I know my life is separated from you right now. I, I, I know some stuff about you, but I wanna know you personally. So I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. I'm asking you to, to give me a fresh start and a new beginning today. God, I wanna know you. And I, I, want, I want you to call the shots because you're a big God. And you created me, I didn't create you. So you know what's best for me. So God, today I'm making you the CEO of my life. And because you gave your life for me, I'm just committing to give my life for you. And I'm gonna go on this journey to know you, to grow in freedom, live my life with the purpose you created me for. And God, with your help, I'm gonna change my world. I commit my life to that journey today. In Jesus' name, amen.